Howdy, folks, and thank you for listening in on the seventh episode of Rediscover the Winds, a Wyoming History Podcast. For today, I'm your host, Zach Larson. My co-host, Kirsten, is out, and instead we have Randy Wise, who is with us from the uh, Fremont County Pioneer Museum in Lander, Wyoming. This this month's topic is all about uh, Lander's industry, Lander's history, and uh, so we're just going to, I guess, kind of turn it over to Randy and let him... Great. Thanks, Zach. So industry is a big part of Lander's history, although, again, it's pretty dispersed and spread out over over a great deal of time. And when we're talking about industry, we're primarily talking about after the white people got to Wyoming, because there's thousands of years of Native American history and a different kind of industry there. But I'm going to focus on you know, 1840 on, yeah. uh, you know, and more about the town of Lander itself. So lots of natural resources are in Fremont County, uh, and people have known about them for a long time. They knew there was oil here in 1840. The Oregon Trail pioneers saw oil. Mm-hmm. They knew it was here. No particular use for it in 1840, so it just sat there uh, and was used as wagon wheel grease for the most part, but that was really about it. Uh, people knew there were coal in the area. They knew a lot of these resources existed, but you know, at that point in time, people were traveling through Wyoming. They weren't coming here to stay. Uh, they were on their yeah. way west to Utah or California or Oregon. It really wasn't until 1867 that... Uh, this area was settled, and that was because of everybody's favorite mineral, gold. Gold, they knew that there was gold in the Sweetwater region. They just didn't know exactly where it was. They, again, people along the Oregon Trail were panning, and they found gold flakes. They knew it was Mm -hmm. there, but there's bigger strikes in California, so that's where they're heading. But by 1867, uh, people are looking elsewhere for gold, and they discover it finally in large enough quantities at uh, the, in the South Pass area, to bring a lot of people here. Uh, at, you know, figures vary, but, you know, most people think about 2,000 people moved into the Atlantic City, South Pass, Miners Delight region okay. to become gold miners or support staff for gold miners. And that's going from about three white people uh, mm-hmm. to about 2,000 in a matter of months. Wow. Uh, changed the character of this area drastically. So gold brought uh, a significant uh, American population to this area to live permanently for the first time. Again, previously it had been, you know, mountain men coming through, Oregon Trail people coming through, uh, a few uh, traders with the Native Americans, but nobody of any, uh, no no big populations of mm-hmm. white people. Then all of a sudden you have a, a town, South Pass, yeah. uh, again, which has a thousand people. Atlantic City has 800, Miner's Delight has 300, you know, roughly. Uh, and, and of course, the easily gotten gold, the pan gold that they were looking for, goes pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that gold gets sucked up uh, really fast. Then they have to start mining underground. That's a very different kind of industry. You need heavy equipment. You need a lot of manpower. And so the change was pretty dramatic from uh, you know the grizzled prospector with his gold pan yeah. to the underground mines, which require, again, heavy equipment lots of investment. So you have investors coming in, investing in steam engines and steam drills and uh, uh, hoists and all kinds of things that you need to get this gold, which is underground, and it's very hard rock Mm -hmm. in that South Pass region. So it was an industry in the real sense of the word. It was industrial to get that gold. Now, 
interestingly enough, uh, there were some fortunes made. Uh, but most people didn't make any money. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, by the time you invested in all of that equipment, unless you hit a good vein or series of veins, you're probably not going to make a ton of money. Uh, now, again, some mines were productive. A lot of them weren't. But even the productive mines, the production ended very quickly. That first mm-hmm. gold boom ended in about, you know, by 1872. Okay, so uh, five years or so. Yeah, five years. And then, you know, people give up on it because they're just not making any money. Uh, a lot of those people working up at South Pass, miners or businessmen who were running the saloons and the restaurants and the hotels up there, a lot of them were kind of tired of chasing the gold because mm-hmm. they had been going from boomtown to boomtown to boomtown. And, you know, it almost always ends the same. You're back to <laughs> back to zero. So they looked down here at the Lander Valley and they said, you know what? That's pretty good agricultural country. They, there's a lot of water comparatively in Wyoming. And relatively mild winters, good soil. Uh, They saw the wildlife down in the valley. They saw the Native American population down there, the Shoshone people. Uh, You know, they realized this might be a good place to become a farmer or a rancher. And a significant number of the first homesteaders in the Lander Valley came down from the Sweetwater Mines Mm -hmm. and became farmers and ranchers or businessmen supporting farmers and ranchers. And that's really where we get the creation of Lander. So it's actually lack of an industry that yeah. creates Lander because the gold industry fades away other than periodic flare-ups every 20 so or so years where people try it again. But for the most part, the gold industry was done. Lander becomes an agricultural community. And there's a market for that, even though there's no uh, railroad yet in Lander uh, or Fremont County for that matter, because at the same time as the Sweetwater mines are dying off, Fort Washakie becomes established. Mm. Fort Washakie is the headquarters of the Shoshone Indian Reservation. Uh, And again, hard to believe today, but at that time, it was a major military post. Mm. There were thousands of uh, people at that post. And it's a long way from the nearest railhead to get food and uh, uh, to the Fort Washakie. So there's a real market for uh, farmers and ranchers in the Blander Valley to provide food for the soldiers and their families and the staff and the Native American people uh, at Fort Washakie. So right away there's a market. Uh, so right away people start growing anything they can grow. You know, so cattle come in, sheep come in, uh, and sheep are a key thing because we're going to talk about the sheep industry mm-hmm. a lot because that becomes the primary agricultural industry. But people are also growing potatoes. They're growing corn. They're growing pretty much every kind of produce that you can get. And again, the Lander Valley, by and large, supports that kind of agriculture yeah. because of the climate and the water. And the water is the key part of that because without water in Wyoming, you're not going to grow a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... The initial population of Lander is a couple hundred people. Uh, Again, almost all of them are involved in agriculture. And I mentioned the sheep industry. Sheep become a big industry almost immediately. Back in those days, people used uh, wool for almost all of the clothing. You know, cotton was just not widely available. Synthetic fabrics aren't even in existence yet. Most people wore wool. So you've got a market for the wool. But people ate a lot more mutton in those days Mm -hmm. as well. So that becomes a very important food source. Uh, uh, So sheep begin to grow and huge bands in in Fremont County, thousands and thousands of sheep were in up or sheep were all around the County. Uh, 
usually it was one owner and a handful of sheep herders. Uh, then they would drive the sheep to the nearest railhead to shear them and then butcher them. And at that point, that was have been Casper. Okay. Um, there was also railhead in uh, Rawlins, but most people in Fremont County headed to Casper to get yeah. their sheep taken care of. But huge, huge herds of sheep. And the wealth that came from that uh, industry really helped Lander grow. A lot of the big houses on the south side of Lander mm-hmm. were created because they, they were sheep owners. Uh, and again, the owners are the ones making the money. Yeah. You know, the herder is making a living, but he's not <clears throat> making money. It's the guy that owns the sheep that's making the big dough. And a lot of that money got invested back into Lander. A lot of the large brick buildings on Main Street mm. were sheep money. Uh, a lot of the big houses on, again, the south side of town primarily. Like the, the one on, is it 3rd and Papoja that I really the like? The Barber Mansion. Yeah, that's uh, that was, that was H.O. Barber was heavily involved in the sheep industry. <clears throat> uh, other things as well, mm-hmm. but uh, he, he, he had a lot of money invested in sheep. Now, again, there are cattle. Uh, but primarily, it's a sheep uh, sheep mm-hmm. county. Uh, you know, most people are raising cattle because they want milk, so okay. they're they're raising milk cows. Uh, but the other thing that I always found interesting about Lander is uh, turkeys were a big, really uh, big industry. Uh, poultry in general was big, but turkeys in particular. At one point in the teens, uh, there were eighty nine turkey operations in uh, in and around the Lander Valley. Wow, that's a lot of turkey. That's a lot. Uh, the other thing that starts happening at this point, which uh, gave Lander a nickname of the Apple City, again, because of the amount of water that's available in the Lander Valley and the climate, which again, for most of Wyoming is pretty mild, they found that they could grow uh, fruit trees, particularly Mm -hmm. apples. So apple orchards become a major part of Lander's economy. Hmm. Um, There were big orchards. There was a huge one out on the Little Papoja uh, near Red Canyon. Okay. There were orchards up around Sinks Canyon. There were orchards uh, all over the valley, even right where Lander sits today. And every now and again, you'll see an old apple tree in somebody's backyard. Yeah. And that's a remnant of those apple orchard days because, of course, a lot of those orchards got torn down when they were building up the residential parts of Lander. But there are still a few old apple trees left. You know, they grew other fruit as well. Uh, plums were a big uh, fruit that was grown in the Lander Valley. There's still Again, you find plum trees yeah. around, uh, but apples were the big one. And again, Lander became known uh, region-wide as the Apple City. Uh, they shipped out boxcars of apples huh. to other markets that were grown in Lander. And there is a move now to uh, bring back a lot of those old orchards. Uh, and some of them have been producing all along, but now they're trying to rehabilitate them and get yeah. them to grow. And that's kind of a neat return to Lander's past that the apple orchards are are making a little bit of a comeback. So agriculture becomes the primary industry, but other things start popping up too, especially once we get past the turn of the century. Mm -hmm. Again, people knew there was oil and coal in the area. They'd known it for decades. There just wasn't any real use for those uh, materials until about 1900 when the train finally does come into Fremont County. So the Chicago Northwestern runs a line from Casper through uh, through uh, Riverton, Hudson, Lander. Well, trains in those days run on coal, and we just happen to have big coal fields right around the Hudson uh, area. Mm-hmm. 
when there's a demand for it and a market for it, all of a sudden coal mines start opening. Yeah. So uh, at one time, Hudson's population was almost 2,000 people. Really? Hudson was a company town. It was the Popoja Coal Company. They had a series of mines running along the ridges on either side of Hudson. Uh, but thousands of miners were working, again, underground mines. This was not surface mining for coal. They were doing mm -hmm. underground mines. We've got a lot of neat pictures of those uh, mines over at the Lander Museum. But many, many miners came to work in the coal fields around Hudson. And this is hmm. roughly 1910 through the 30s when there was demand for the coal. Uh, and many of those miners came from Eastern Europe uh, because they were miners over there. They yeah. came to America to work. So Hudson, you see a lot, even a lot of the names you still see today in the valley were Eastern European, yeah. Slavs, uh, uh, people from Czechoslovakia. Uh, people from Montenegro uh, had come here to be coal miners. A lot of Italians, too. Mm. A lot of Italians came and lived in the Hudson area. Uh, so coal is a huge industry. Again, becomes kind of the big industry behind uh, agriculture because there's a market for it, and the Chicago Northwestern needs, needs coal. So they are mining coal like crazy over there. Uh, again, Hudson is much bigger than Riverton at this point in time hmm. and about the size of Lander. So pretty big deal. Uh, now you drive through Hudson today, obviously it's changed a lot. But again, coal fades because of two things. One, trains start running on diesel. Yep. That takes away the coal industry for the trains. But the other thing that's happening over at Hudson is the same thing that happened at South Pass. The coal runs out. The seams were not that deep. They were not that big, and they mm. mined pretty much all the coal that they could economically mine. Now, there's still coal over there, certainly. Yeah. It's not enough to run a mine on anymore. So the coal industry fades out of Fremont County's consciousness because it's not a big deal anymore. Yeah. Although there were still, they called them wagon mines, there were still individual guys that would have a hole in the ground, and you would drive up in your wagon or truck or whatever you're going and get a load of coal for your personal use. My grandparents, uh, who had a farm outside of Lander, would take a trip to Hudson every couple of months hmm. with their wagon and later their, their old truck, and they would get a wagon load of coal hmm. to run their, uh, their stove in their house. And I can remember that into the 70s, mm -hmm. uh, early 70s, when I think the last of those little mines closed. Hmm. So that's, again, kind of a neat thing. So coal yeah. was in use for a while. It just wasn't on an industrial use. Right. Coal starts to fade. Oil becomes suddenly a, a factor in the economy because all of a sudden the internal combustion engine is being used for automobiles. Mm -hmm. Also, trains are running on <clears throat> diesel. Again, people knew there was oil in the Lander Valley. They'd known it since the 1840s. No practical use for it until about 1900-ish when, again, we get the internal combustion engine, so people want to use oil. All yeah. of a sudden, there are oil fields sprouting up. One of the, well, the oldest oil field in Wyoming is the Dallas Dome oil mm -hmm. field, just a few miles uh, south of Lander. There was also big oil fields out of Waipo, uh, several of them up on the reservation. So uh, oil becomes a factor in the local economy, uh, not just Lander, but the whole county, yeah. obviously. But, you know, Lander being the county seat becomes kind of the hub of oil activity for a, for a very long time. Again like most gold miners or other miners, not every well is going to be a hit. So there were plenty of people that drilled a well, but they didn't make necessarily hit oil or make mm -hmm. any money. The guys that did 
did very well. Yeah. Because again, if you hit it, you know, but, but again, that kind of thing takes investment. You need equipment, you need drilling rigs, you need derricks, you need oil storage tanks, you need transportation. That takes a lot of investment. So typically the guys with the in, who invested the money are the ones making the money on the oil. It's not the workers. They're just doing the work and getting a salary. But if you were a uh, owner and hit oil, you did pretty mm-hmm. well for yourself. Well, and even oil compared to coal is a bit different because coal is pretty much ready to use right out of the ground. And oil is not that useful for most things right out of the ground. You've got to ship it off to a refinery and that requires access to... Exactly. So so there were actually several refineries in Fremont County. Hmm. Uh, there was one in Riverton. There was one in Lander. There was one around Hudson. Not big yeah. oil refineries like we think when we drive past Sinclair, you know, yep. down, going down to past Rollins. They were small operations, but they were processing it locally hmm. uh, for a long time until it became more economical to ship it someplace right. that had a bigger processing capability but at at that point most of the was that was used locally was produced locally hmm. and refined locally which i think again is very interesting that is. again all of that infrastructure is gone now it's disappeared but there were three uh, and maybe even more but i know of three for sure refineries in operation in between Lander and Riverton. Hmm. So uh, now oil is still part of our economy. You know, the Dallas Dome field is still producing. So is the field out at WIPO. And WIPO is, uh, a lot of people see that name and they wonder, what is WIPO? It's about four miles uh, south of Lander on the road to Hudson. And there was actually a community out there. Uh, it was an oil field community, so a company town. And, you know, about 50 to 75 people lived out there worked in the fields. Uh, now now there's nobody out there now. There's still some foundations. The fields are still producing, mm-hmm. but the town of Waipo is yeah. no, no longer there. I actually spent several of my college summers working off and on in that field. and Yeah. So, so you know, so the oil industry is still with us. The coal industry isn't. Now, coal in Wyoming is a big deal, but not locally. Yeah. Uh, gold is not a big deal anymore. But the other industry I'd like to mention, because I think it's an important one that people kind of don't think about when they think about our history, is tourism. Tourism has been a major industry in Lander, specifically from almost the time Lander was founded. Yeah. People were coming here to hunt, fish, do the mountains, because they're here, and it's a wonderful place to do that. The big hotels that were on Lander's Main Street, the Noble and the Fremont and the other about half a dozen hotels, they were all there primarily for people visiting to go hmm. up into the mountains and access Yellowstone. This town, Lander, is the closest town you could get by train to the south gate of Yellowstone. Hmm. So people would come in to Lander on the Pullman cars on the Chicago Northwestern. They would get off, go to the Noble Hotel or the Fremont Hotel or whichever hotel they were staying at, spend a day or two, and then they would take coaches up through Grand Teton and into hmm. Yellowstone. And there were hotels. Uh, the owner of the Noble Hotel actually owned hotels in uh, Dubois and in Moran Junction uh, to, to get his visitors up to hmm. the park. And tourism today is, uh, what, is it our number one econ- thing in Wyoming? I don't know. It's up there. It's either one, two, or three. It's a very, yeah. very big part of our economy. But it has been, and for a long, long time. Locally, people would come to visit, again, hunt and fish in the mountains. But Sinks Canyon, who mm-hmm. yeah, probably everybody in Fremont County visits Sinks Canyon at least once a year, we've got postcards from 1900 and earlier wow. 
showing the sinks and the rise. Uh, you know, we know people were up there uh, recreating and being tourists even that early. So, hmm. you know, it's a big part of our economy. And when we think about Landers' history, we don't necessarily think about it, but it's been there all along. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's kind of the highlights. The other industry we should probably briefly talk about, uh, again, it's an industry that has passed, but it was the steel industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, about 19, the late 1950s, uh, Geneva Steel uh, began building an iron ore mine up on South Pass. Uh, ultimately, it becomes the Atlantic City uh, iron ore mine. Yeah. But uh, huge, huge impact on the history of Lander. Lander's population in 1958 was about 4,000 people. By 1968, it's 8,000. Uh, again, huge influx of people coming into Fremont County and Lander specifically to work at the iron ore mine at U.S. Steel. Uh, 500 people worked up there uh, at the height of the mine, and they produced millions of tons of ore, which was loaded onto rail cars and taken down to uh, Utah to be uh, processed into steel. Uh, U.S. Steel closed in the mid-1980s, and Lander's population went from 8,000 to about 6,000 and yeah. some. It was a huge economic change. And again, things have stabilized since. But, you know, the mine <clears throat> brought in a lot of people. Uh, and then when the mine closed, mm-hmm. uh, th- th- that really crashed. There's still plenty of steel up there. Yeah. Uh, but economically, in today's economy, it's not worth mining. You know, maybe that will change someday. Probably not. But uh, again, you know, industry depends on the contemporary economics of is it worth getting out of the ground there's still gold up at south pass Mm -hmm. but it costs more to get it out of the ground than it is that than the the gold is worth yeah so uh so again kind of a brief uh, history of uh uh, lander industry but a lot of different things over the years well thank you that was a that was a great there's a lot of stuff i grew up in lander born and raised and and that's i i got a lot of new information about that no idea that that sheep were such a major part of the economy. Um, and of course I, when I, when I was little, we would head over South pass to see my grandparents and I would see what was, what was left of the Atlantic city iron ore mine. And, and I, I can sort of remember what that looked like. But of course, by then this was probably the, well, I was born in 82. So I wouldn't remember anything before about 85, 86 at the very earliest. Um, it was all closed down, but I just, that was always kind of the highlight of the drive was to, see all the stuff that was up there well it was a big operation yeah again you know an employee base of 500 that's a big Mm -hmm. that's a big operation uh and hundreds of millions of dollars invested in that mine you know they had to actually run power uh high high uh, tension power cords from boyson all the way up there to run the thing Mm -hmm. uh they had to build a rail line because there wasn't a rail line to carry that ore so they built a rail line from Atlantic City to uh, Rock Springs where they could hook into the main yeah. lines and then go on down into uh, into uh, uh, Utah. But yeah, it was a, it was a big, big deal. Uh, again, and a big deal when it closed. Mm-hmm. Changed things considerably in, in the whole county, not just Lander. Well, and it closed roughly the same time period that the uranium mines that we'll talk about when we talk about Riverton's history next month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was right around that time. It yeah. was all kind of Mid-80s. this double whammy, this double whammy on the county One, two, that punch. really, really hurt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and now again, agriculture was still there, so was tourism and mm-hmm. some of the smaller things. But uh, that those big, high-paying mining jobs went away. Yeah. So, well, thank you for uh, being on Rediscover the Winds, and and thank you all for listening in. 
Great, cool. Our upcoming events are as follows. On Saturday, May 4th, from 1 to 2.30 p.m. at the Pioneer Museum in Lander, we have another installment of our Bailey Tire and Auto Service and Pit Stop Travel Center's Children's Exploration Series. And the title of that is a Pioneer Vegetable Planting. So we'll learn how important vegetables and fruits are to Pioneer families. We'll decorate, kids will decorate their own planters and plant their own vegetables. Another installment of the Children's Exploration Series is in Riverton on May 11th from 2 to 4 p.m. And it is spool knitting where we will learn how to make knitting spools and how to use them. Um, that we have a limit of 12 kids on that one and it cost, the cost on that is $2 per child. We have a Wyoming Community Bank Speaker Series, Discovery Speaker Series event at the, the Lander Pioneer Museum. And we will be doing a workshop on bead cleaning. So if you have projects, if you have beaded objects of your own that you need to clean, feel free to join us at that event where you'll learn how to clean, clean those beaded objects. Supplies on that are limited to the first 25 people. On May 18th, as part of our Wind River Country Adventure Trek series, we have a walking tour of Lander. So take a trip back in time and hear some of the colorful stories of some of the of Lander's oldest and most historic buildings. It is free and open to the public and it lasts about two hours. Our final event in May is another installment of our Wyoming Community Bank Discovery Speaker Series. And it features Dr. Salmon Ariana. Um, of the University of Wyoming, who's presenting a talk called The Oil Industry in Wyoming, Past and Future. Um, and like all of our Wyoming Community Bank Discovery Speaker Series, this talk is free and open to the public. Again, it is on May 30th at 7 o'clock p.m. Thanks again for listening to Rediscover the Winds. Please like us on Facebook. If you've already done so, thank you. That means the world to us. Our Facebook page is where we share a lot of, the, we, a lot of interesting photos and other artifacts related to the things that we talk about here on this podcast. And we will talk to you again next month.